Happy Father's Day to all the dads. We are excited that God gave you to us. And um, man, we're just so thankful. And let me just say this, I'm thankful for all the men in the house because what you may or may not realize is that if you're a fella, there are others who are looking up to you. No matter what age, there's always going to be someone younger that's looking up to you. So hey, just a quick question today. How many of you have ever received an unexpected promotion? Raise your hand. You've received an unexpected promotion. Anybody? Okay, a few of you, a few of you. Um, if you're a dad in the house, I think you probably should have raised your hand because I don't know about you, but when we had our first kid, it was unexpected, right? Like I was, I was not sitting around thinking, oh, we're going to have a kid. I mean, I knew what makes kids, which is a ton of fun, but I did not think that that was going to give us our first child, Jordan. And I, and I remember the when Kasha first came to me and said, Brian, I'm pregnant, um, this was back in the day when they just told you normally, I'm pregnant. Now today, they have all these crazy ways to tell people that you're pregnant, okay? So you've got all these gender reveal parties, right? but now we're taking it one step further. Now moms are doing it for their their husbands in these moments beforehand. So I went and did a little bit of research online and discovered a few ways. So if you're a young person in the house, you could take these to the whole next level. So, so one lady went out and she went grocery shopping and then she put inside of one of the grocery bags diapers. And then she called her husband to come in and said, hey, honey, come on in if you could help me unpack the groceries. And as he was going through them, all of a sudden he pulled out these little newborn baby diapers. And she said, I'm pregnant. So that's, that's pretty creative. Another lady came down running down the stairs with six positive pregnancy tests and said this. I just don't think they're correct, honey. I just don't think they're <laughs> correct. Uh, another lady, uh, she gave her husband the book by Jim Gaffigan, which is actually Dad is Fat is what it's called. And it's all about pregnancy for fathers and how they get fat basically along with the wives. So that's a way that you could do that. Another lady, she had pizza delivered and on the inside of it, it said pregnancy food inside of the box. Another lady had, of course, custom t-shirts designed that said hottest dad. I don't know why Kasha didn't get that one for me. I, I turned around, I saw Jared's shirt. It says best dad ever. And I said, how did you get in my closet? You know, like, how did those moments happen? Another lady came in eating pickles and ice cream and said, well, I guess this is a part of the cravings. I'm pregnant now. Another lady was playing Scrabble, and she spelled out the word, you know, pregnant in there. Um, some lady went up to her husband, and she said this. Now, this is pretty risky. She said randomly, does this baby make me look fat? <laughs> Fellas, if she says it, be careful. Another one cooked a baby-themed dinner. She had baby back ribs, baby potatoes, baby spinach, anything and everything with the name of baby in it. Another one took him on a romantic vacation. Oh, wait, this is the one I put in. Okay, here we go. This is the one I actually put in. This is how I wish it would have happened, Kasha. <laughs> that you would have taken me on a romantic vacation, and on the first night, you would have said, this is our first family vacation before the little one arrives, let's have some fun. <laughs> That's how I wish you would have announced Jordan to me, but, but it's all good. Hey, you know, every day, 299,000 men, by estimates, will become first-time fathers. Think about that. 299,000 men a day are surprised. Right? It's an unexpected promotion. See, whether you like it or not, you get promoted into fatherhood. Whether, whether you know it or not, you're not given an instruction manual. Come on, there was no instruction manual on how to be a dad. There was no secret recipe card that you followed along. There was no one there teaching you those moments. All of a sudden, you were given an unexpected promotion. 
And I remember when I got my promotion, I remember it was a little unnerving. I remember thinking to myself in those moments, am I ready for this? Come on, anyone? Am I ready to be a father? Am I ready for these moments right here? And from the moment when Jordan was born, I still remember it being there inside of the um, delivery room and Kasha's doing her thing and, and um, I'm sweating like crazy. I'm nervous. This is hard work for me as a husband. <laughs> just joking, just joking. I'm just joking. Man, this mic is super hot today. Um, but here, here we are in that moment, and I'm, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm watching everything unfold, and I just remember this. Once Jordan came out, I remember just thinking in my mind, this is real. <laughs> this is happening. This right now. And I remember tears just coming down my face because... I, could, I was just so overcome with emotion in that moment. It was just like, it felt like the world around me stopped as I had this unexpected promotion. It was kind of like, ready or not, here she comes. And if you don't know much about Jordan, she's an amazing young lady, but she's a lot of work. So, Alan... I don't know if you know what you're maybe one day going to get into, but it's a lot. Here's what I recognize is that for some of us today, though, being a, being a man on a day like today, like Father's Day, could actually be really difficult. For some, maybe it's because you lost a child. Maybe for others, it's because of the fact that you're not around your kids because of life circumstances. And maybe it feels like in some ways the promotion that you were expecting was taken away. Maybe, maybe you have a desire. You've always wanted to be promoted into fatherhood and you've been struggling with that because it hasn't happened yet. And so today we celebrate with the dads and today we mourn with the dads. Today we, we have moments of, of excitement and we have moments of sadness and we are with you no matter what chapter you're in we recognize that in the midst of this season and in a day like today we have the ultimate father his name is god and god the father sent his one and only sons for you and me so that we could have freedom from sin so that we could be set free from all the junk around he modeled for us what it means to be a good father and I want you to remember that because some of us, maybe you don't have a good father that you can look to. And maybe as a, as a daughter or even as a son, you don't have that relationship with a good father and you feel like something was stolen from you. And I want to remind you, there is one thing that can never be stolen from you and that is your identity as a son and a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the good, good father. In this series, Battle Plans, we've been looking at this idea of what it looks like to be in the midst of a battle. And today, I want to say to all the fellas, listen, I know you're in a battle. How do I know it? Because I know I'm in the battle. I know that every day I'm facing temptation, every day I'm facing culture, trying to cram different things down my throat. Culture's constantly trying to tell me, this is who you should be as a father. This is what it should look like. This is what it should be about. And it's success driven and it's all these different things that don't allow me to rest in my identity as a son. I'm constantly being told that it's about having more, it's about getting this, and in this success, and this achievement. But for most of us today, we recognize that we're pretty tired of being sold a bill of sales that has never come through. Honestly, I get pretty angry about how society is constantly dumbing down the role of the father. It's either you're super uber successful or you're the dumbest guy around. Have you noticed that? 
Like, it seems like there's no average Joes in there because it's like you're either, you know, you're flying on the private jet and you, you come out in your sports car and you're, yeah, I'm a man, yeah. Or you're like Homer Simpson sitting at home drinking a beer or, or what's the guy, Al Bundy, that dude, you know. Boy, a great role model there for fatherhood. But even just look at the confusion of culture even today on, on many of the shows that we see on television. Think about just one. Just, can, you grab, can you grab just one show that's out there right now of a father who's being portrayed that you say, you know, I'd like to be like that guy. I can't think of one show out there where there's a father. Now, now some of them we go, oh, that guy's funny. I'd like to be funny like that guy. But for the sake of funny, we make guys dumb. And I'm tired of it. I see men running around in the midst of the promotion of fatherhood. And the world is constantly saying you should give in to the standards of this world. So we see men doing whatever it takes to win at work, whether lying, cheating, stealing, it's okay. We see men walking out on their wives. Why? Because uh, it's okay. It's just a part of culture. We see men disengaged from their families. We see men enjoying the pleasures of work more than the pleasures of home. We see them being dragged down, beaten up, all because of the pursuit of something that will never truly satisfy we see what many would call deadbeat dads. And today I just want to tell you, I don't believe God has called any father, any man to be a deadbeat dad. He's called you to be a victor. And men who have been promoted into fatherhood in the midst of this moment, I think some of them, like those in a battle, have deserted. It's like the minute things begin to get a little tough, they're running. Think about a battlefield for a moment. You're in the trenches and you're fighting this war and all of a sudden you get promoted. Whether you got promoted by accident because the guy next to you died who was a, a, ahead of you in ranking, whether it was because they saw something in you, so many times what happens is, is we get this unexpected promotion. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 6 asks a question that I think is a great question for us today, and it's this. Who can find a trustworthy man? I believe here at Bethany that we have a lot of trustworthy men. I believe that God is calling us to be trustworthy men. Now, you may look at your life right now and say, man, I don't feel very trustworthy. But here's what I believe. In one moment, Jesus can change things. In one moment, you can be the man of God who God's called you to be by knowing your identity is found in Christ. You want to be a good husband? You want to be a good father? You want to be a good employee? You want to be a good man? Then be who God has called you to be. They say this, as the family goes, so goes society. Think about that for a second. As the family goes, so goes society. As I look around our society, it shows us that there have been fathers who are not fulfilling the role that they have been called to. We see families struggling, and, and I'll take it one step further. I'll say this, as the father goes, so goes the family. If you think about it, if society is based upon the family, then the family is based upon the father. And what we see is we see disconnected fathers around us. Now listen, this message is not a message to beat up dads. This is a message to encourage us to actually be the ones who take a stand in the midst of a culture that's trying to beat you down. God has not called you to that. The family keys off the leadership of the father. It's men who step into their God-given identity who actually uh, fulfill the assignment of the spiritual leader in their home. And what happens is, is when we as men know our identity is found in Christ and we live that identity out, then what happens is, is we provide stability to a home in the midst of an unstable world. And God is calling us as men to be that. Whether we're a father or not, we are called to be that in our homes. We're called to be the stability in the homes. And what happens is, is as families begin to crumble and fall apart, then that actually plays out in our society. And we're watching that happen right now. Whether you agree or disagree with some of the 
things that we've faced this past year, there are moments where I sit there and I think it is so good that people are taking a stand for various issues that our country is facing. Racism needs to go. It needs to go. And so I believe all day long in bringing attention to the issue of racism across our country. But what I don't believe in is the looting and all the stuff that goes after those things. And here's the thing. I think about where's the dads? Because if it was my boy out there, you know I would be beating your butt, Gabe. I would be taking you home, dragging you home, and saying, we don't act that way. We don't do that. So come on, men. When are we going to actually rise up and know our identity is found in Christ? We need to be that. We need to be the ones who actually take a stand in the midst of those moments. And here's what I want to challenge you with this morning, and that is, is that even if you're not a father yourself right now, you are a role model to other men. And you have relationships with other men. And when you see other guys doing stupid things, you and I should in love go to them and say, you being dumb. Stop. Stop. William Raspberry, an African-American columnist for the Washington Post, said this a few years back. He said, if I could offer a single prescription for the survival of America, and particularly black America, it would be restore the family. And if you asked me how to do it, my answer would be save the boys who will one day be fathers. Society is looking for you and I to be present in our promotion. In fact, if I was to kind of put a big idea on the day today, it would be this. Be present in the promotion. See, sometimes unexpected promotions happen like fatherhood. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in the midst of that promotion. But the question is, is will you be present in the promotion? Many people get promoted into things and are not present. We watch around our society and we see that happening. And today I want to challenge us as men to be present in the promotion. You know, there's only, they did a study here a while back and they said this. They asked fathers, they said, how many of you think you're doing a good job as a father? And only 39% of the men who actually uh, went through the survey said they felt like they were doing a good job as a father. I don't know about you, but that's a problem. I want to see men who say, you know what? Nah, I'm a good father. I'm not a perfect father, but I'm a good father. Listen, I, I, sometimes I may work too much, but I'm still present at home. Hey, sometimes I, I, I may fly off the handle in a moment, but you know what? I'm going to quickly ask for forgiveness. We're not looking for perfection, fellas. Listen, there's no, there's no one perfect. Just talk to my wife after the gathering. She will tell you I am not a perfect person. This past couple of days, we were helping some friends who sold their house, and they're down in Florida, and so we decided that we were going to kind of, well, I decided that we were going to kind of lead the charge on it, and I was going to be kind of like the foreman over the project and pack their whole house, and, and uh, it was a lot of work. And there was a few times when Kasha and I were trying to wrap things, you know, that saran wrap stuff that's on the big roll, you know, you got to bring it around things, and we're wrapping all this furniture. We put, you know, blankets all over, and we're wrapping around like professional movers. And I probably shouldn't tell you that <laughs> because I don't want to keep doing that. <laughs> but we did a good job, and we got it all wrapped up. But there was times where I was looking at Kasha, and she's like, will you just hold it? And I'm just like, will you just be quiet? And we were just at each other a few times. And, and then I was like, come on, just give me a kiss. And she's like, I don't want to kiss you. And I'm just like come on, babe, like, I just need a kiss. And she's like, fine, gives me the kiss, you know, in that moment. It was, it was, there was some tension. There was some tension because it was supposed to be done in one day, and that one day turned into two and a half days. And that two and a half days, man, I called my brother, and they had this table that was like over 600 pounds at least, over 600 pounds, and we had some moving guys that were going to help us get it in, and we actually got it into the truck. And then they, I looked at the guys, and I was like, hey, can we hire you to come back and help get it off the truck? And they said no. <laughs> I mean, really. They really did. They said no. It's too heavy. 
And they said, we do this for a living, and we cannot ruin our backs, and you go ahead. And I just wanted to say, yeah, I'm a preacher, so it's no big deal, you know. I just, <laughs> well, today. <laughs> so I called my brother up, Michael. <laughs> He's a bigger guy. And I said, Mike, you want to make some money? He's like, how much? <laughs> I told him. He came out, he helped me, and when he got there, I said, oh, by the way, we got to take this 600-pound table, just the two of us, out of the moving truck. And he's like, he's like, I don't know, Brian. I'm like, trust me, trust me. We got this. See, I paid attention in school. I know about fulcrum and all the different pieces and how to do it. And straight up, mm-hmm, yeah, baby. We got that thing out of the truck. We got him on the dollies, just two of us, wheeling it through the storage unit, getting it back in there. He's like, I don't know if it'll fit because the thing's like 12 foot long. I'm like, we got this. And sure enough, we got this. You know why? Because I'm a man. Because I'm a man. Come on, man. All right, that was not in the notes, that whole story. I feel a little bit more freedom. I'm like, there's not a gathering on the end of this. So I'm like, dude, we could be here all day. Some of you are like, dude, this summer schedule's got to go. <laughs> I need another gathering so it's stacked on back. All right, here we go. Psalms uh, chapter 112. What we're going to read about is um, David penning these words that I think are going to help us today as men. In fact, there's going to be some keys that we're going to pull from it. Now, when we think about the life of David, here's some things we know. David was a man's man. I mean, come on, think about it. It's interesting that Pastor Eric chose the story of David and Goliath earlier. We, did not, we had not talked about anything with the notes or anything um, because that's who I want to really focus in on. When you think of a man in the Scriptures and you think, man, who, who's the man of the man like, in the Scriptures? It's David. David's the, the, the smaller guy who comes on. It says that, you know, he's handsome in appearance. You know, he just, he comes on scene. He looks at a big old Goliath who's bad-talking God, and he's like, ain't no one going to talk about my God that way. Everyone else is running in fear because he's so big, and we, you could get into all the details of why he, others were so scared. But see, here's the key is David, in the midst of that, knew that it was not his battle to fight. It was God's. And so he realized that in the midst of it, he could be the man's man because he knew who was on his side. David was also a family man. You think about David, he had responsibilities of his wife and children. In fact, in, in this one area of David's life, in some ways, is almost where it produced his greatest failures, but also his greatest treasures. Like many men, unfortunately, David allowed his attention to be taken and put on other things. But David also, though, was a businessman, a man with great responsibilities. He was one of the most successful kings of all history. He was a builder and he was an administrator. When you look at what he set up to pass on to his son, it's amazing. David was also, though, a, a spiritual man. In fact, the scriptures say this, David was a man after God's own heart. He was a leader in temple worship. He wrote much of the psalms and hymns and praise. He even danced before the Lord in a little undistinguished way. And here's what I think. I think David could relate to every man in the room today. Whether you're a young person or whether you're an older person, you can relate to him. See, in most things that David put his hand to, he excelled. And I believe the reason was because he realized who was on his side consistently, whether he was in a field, he knew God was on his side. Whether he was shepherding, he knew God was on his side. Whether he was on a battlefield, he knew God was on his side. Whether he was a king, he knew God was on his side. He knew that God was with him. In Psalms 112, he writes this. He says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are his in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is a gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice, 
For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm. Trust in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in the triumph of his adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. And the wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. I don't know about you, but as I read through that, I think I want to be that man. I want to be that guy right now who leads well in the midst of the seasons, who's enduring forever, who's one who actually is not moved, who's one who remembers forever what God has already done. We're not talking about God will do. We're talking about things God has already done. You see those addictions and those struggles you have in your life right now, whether you're a man or a woman, God has already taken care of those. The question is, is will we walk in the freedom that God's already given us? See, what I love is that what, what this passage is showing us is that a godly man, it looks, what does a godly man look like? And it really it starts off by us stripping down one of the lies that I think a lot of us guys believe. I'm going to put it up on the screen here. And that's this. That as a man, you fear nothing. I mean, we watch a lot of movies right now where it's like Gladiator or different movies. It's like, man, you know, it's always the guy who fears nothing. That's the dude right there. But what we see really is that this passage starts off with a very healthy place for us as men. Really a healthy place for all of us. And that is to fear the Lord. A man who fears the Lord who greatly delights in his commands. Now, I want you to realize all the promises that are attached to just that one verse. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, right? And then the rest of the verses that I already read all speak of what type of blessings you're going to get. So here we go. His children will be mighty, verse 2. Wealth and riches are his, verse 3. He will be a blessing to others, verse 5. He will be, have a sound mind and not be shaken, verse 6. He will be courageous against evil and wrong, verse 8. His story will endure, verse 9. He will be honored, verse 9. All those passages are connected to what? A man who fears the Lord. See, we're told in life, don't fear nothing. But can I just remind you, fellas? A healthy fear of the Lord is a very, very positive thing. You and I have got to be present in our promotion. Be present in the promotion. Three thoughts. If you're taking notes, you should write these down. If you're not taking notes, you should write these down. You should pull your phone out right now and you should write these down. Fellas, you should write these down. Ladies, you should write these down. You should pull your phone out and you should write these things down. If you've got a pen and paper, you should write these things down. You could grab a note card in front, seat pocket in front of you, and you could write these things down. These are three principles that I think if you write them down, could change your life. You seeing a theme here? Write them down. Because here's the reality. If you don't write them down, you will leave and you will forget them. I don't care how good of a preacher I am. I don't care how funny it was. You will forget them. How do I know? Because my wife will go home and I will ask her later, babe, what would you think of that? And she'll go, I need to... I need to look at my notes real quick. And she'll pull it out. And it's like, it's, it's, it's been a few hours. And I'm like, do you remember that? If anyone loves me the most in this room, it's my wife. My mom loves me, but she kicked me out later in life. <laughs> she was like, he's yours. My dad, he was like, I was done with him a long time ago. <laughs> but my wife, she loves me. So she, she's, she's there. I'm just telling you, write things down. A pastor years ago told me this. He said, Pastor, think it, Brian, ink it. Don't just think it, ink it. I mean, the things that are important in our lives are the things that we should be writing down. If you listen to podcasts on a regular basis, that's great, man. You're growing in leadership, but you need to be writing those things down. Sometimes you need to pull your car over on the side of the road and write down what you just heard. Because you'll say in the moment, man, I'll never forget that. That's so good until 24 hours later when you forget it. you got to write down what's important. So here we go. 
Be present in your promotion. So first thing is this. Pay attention to your influence. Pay attention to your influence. The second thing is this. Find the right arena to fight in. And the third is arrange your priorities. So pay attention to your influence. Find the right arena to fight in. And arrange your priorities. I know some of you are like, you, you asked me to write this down, and they keep changing on the slides. I don't know how to spell priorities. All right, we'll leave priorities up there a little bit longer. Arrange your priorities. Let's look at that first one. Pay attention to your influence. Fellas, just for a second, I need to tell you something. You are the most influential person in your family. Stop looking to your wife to lead spiritually in your home. I know she has a connection with God. It's a beautiful thing. I know you love watching that. But just think of how that could actually complement your leadership. Instead of her always trying to drag you along, why don't you actually be the man that God's called you to be in the home so that you can lead? And you know what will happen? She'll love you more. She'll respect you more. She'll speak blessings over you more because you're going to lead in the way that God's called you to lead. I was talking with a gentleman yesterday, and he was talking with me about some frustrations that he has with his wife. He was connecting some of them to things that had happened earlier in her childhood and even some of the ways that she kind of was maybe like mom a little bit sometimes. And I just said to him, whether right or wrong, here's the, what I want you to do. I want you to think about it this way. In the midst of her faults, I want you to think about this is an opportunity right now for me to love her even greater. It's not for me to fix her. It's actually for me to love her even more. If I can love her in the midst of her faults, in the midst of the things she's struggling with, that's true love. That's the love that the Father actually shows for us. Because the Father doesn't look at us and say, well, once you have it all together, then I'll love you. And praise God for that. He actually loves us in the midst of it. And that goes both ways. Wives, ladies, love your husband the same way. Don't always point out all the faults, but love them in the midst of it. That doesn't mean that we just, you know, look the other way and let people do whatever they want to do. No, but we need to recognize what's the timing of it and what's the motive behind it. We need to be paying attention to our influence. We need to love our wives unconditionally. We need to care for them. We need to treat her like a queen and not like a doormat. You should probably still be opening her door up. I've been really trying to do that a lot more with Kasha, and I still forget a lot. Sometimes I'll look over at her, and she's just standing at the door. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's got to train me, right? Now, she doesn't look at me and get all mad. You don't respect me. You don't love me. She understands sometimes I get busy and I'm doing things. But I, I actually like opening her door more than just the moment when we're going on a date and I'm hoping for a good night. <laughs> Come on, fellas. You know what I'm talking about. You're like, the, I got a babysitter. Tonight's the night you come out, you smell good, you look good. You're like, hey, <laughs> got your door, girl. What if every day you smelled good and looked good? What if every day you got the door? What if every day you made her breakfast in bed? I know some of us, I, I, I know it's a whole other extreme. Kelly's like, mm-hmm, Rod, you listening? <laughs> Rod's just shaking his head. Oh. But we got to pay attention to our, here's what Ephesians 5.25 says. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Men, can I just tell you, you play a huge role in the success or failure of your kids. Our kids need us to be fathers who know who's called us and our identity is in him. Here's some, some sobering stats. Fatherless daughters are 111% more likely to have children as teenagers. Fatherless daughters are 164% more likely to have an out-of-wedlock birth. 
fatherless daughters have a 92% higher divorce rate than girls raised with dads in the home. Fatherless sons are 35% more likely to experience marital failures. Fatherless sons make up 70% of all juvenile and state institutions. Pastor David T. Moore says this. He says, The heart of every little boy and girl lies within a father's hands. Every broken promise and abusive word tears a hole that may never be mended. You may feel like that boy or girl right now. You may feel like your heart's been ripped in two because of a father, and you know what that has done to you. And can I just encourage you, God is a restorer and a mender of the brokenhearted. And that even in the midst of these moments, God is looking to the men, and I believe the men here at Bethany, he's, he's just saying, listen, let's just be men who God's called us to be. It's, it's interesting because David, the guy who wrote this passage here in Psalms 112, has some pretty big failures. He has a dude murdered, and he commits adultery. Now, neither of those are on my little, you know, my, my history. And praise God. But so many times in the midst of moments where we struggle, we struggle with verses like Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, which says, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. There's a role that we as fathers should play. Your wife should not be the disciplinary. You should. Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. There's a role we play as men. Colossians 3, 21, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. See, we need to be telling our kids that we love them. And through the years, you know, and I've, I've actually talked about this in the past, and that is, I think it's crazy that kids will grow up in homes where their fathers will never tell them that they love them and that they're proud of them. Can I just tell you right now, it does not matter whether your dad told you that or not. Tell your kids that. Tell them you love them. Tell your daughters you love them. Because listen, if you don't tell them you love them, they will find a man who will. And then when he comes around, it doesn't matter how many times you're cleaning your shotgun. She will find love. And she will find someone who will say it. And can I just tell you, I would not trust my daughter with no, I was going to say horny, and I didn't say it. <laughs> Teenage boy, Right? Who's going to tell her, oh, I love you, baby. I love you so much. You just, oh, you're gorgeous. Mm. Mm, you're just so fine. You better, you better shut your mind down, young man. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> tell them you love them and show it. Let's engage with them. And then here, here's, a, here's a really simple thing. Just love their mother. Well, we're divorced now. Love her. Well, you don't know. She's just, she just an evil person. Love her. Why do you think the Bible says love your enemies? Because <laughs> the Lord was like, he knew he had to cover it all. Because some of you would be like, well, you know, I ain't, you know, we ain't friends right now. Love her. Because how you love her is modeling for your kids. Here's the second thing. Find the right area to f arena to fight in. Hmm. Let, me, let me say this. It, it's not your home that you need to be fighting in. It's in you. So you think it's the circumstances around you, but it's actually what God's trying to do in you that you need to be fighting for. You need to be fighting for a pure mind, a clean heart. Someone once said this, that men are 90% ego, ego wrapped in skin. Let's let our egos go, fellas. Let's stop saying, I'm, I'm a man. You better respect me. Let's just stop. Let's work on us. 
let's, let's be the man that she wants to follow. Let's be the one that, that God looks at and he says, you know what, not perfect, but he's taking some steps in the right direction. Let's not just have careless words that we just spit out and we don't care what happens around us. No, let's, let's actually guard our mouths. Because the Bible actually says that the words you speak have the ability to not only steer the ship, but actually have the ability to start a fire. And the words we say are bringing out destruction in people's lives around us because we're being careless with them. And we say things like this, you better respect me because I'm the man of the house. But what God's saying is, I want to do a work in you. Do a work in you. So let's not have careless actions. Let's not have careless words. Let's not just think that we got it all together. Let's not create distance from those we love. Because see, as men here, like, and, and I know the ladies know this, but come on, fellas, let's just be honest. A lot of times the way we deal with things we don't like that are going out of control is we bury ourselves in our workplace or in our hobbies. We put distance between us and the lady. Put distance between us and the kids. Because we go, I don't know how to do that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put myself in a situation where I like to do things. I'm not saying you can't have hobbies. In fact, I think you should have a hobby. But when that hobby is the thing that's keeping you distanced from your family, when your workplace, even though it's providing from your family, or providing for your family is the thing that's keeping distance between you, you have some priorities that are out of line. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 10. Verse 2 through 6, he says, I beg you, beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy every stronghold. Now here we go. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Paul recognized where the real battle is. It's inside of us. So when we pay attention to our influence, when we find the right arena to fight in, then what we can do? We can arrange our priorities. It's interesting because in Psalms 112, in the first three verses, we see God speaking to the priorities of the man. Verse 1, we see man's relationship with God. Verse 2 speaks of man's relationship with his family. And verse 3 speaks of man's relationship with himself, his inner life, his character. So we need to arrange. We put our relationship with God first. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So come on, fellas. Come on, ladies. Is he your first love? Do you think about him more than you think about your sports, your job, or your vacation? Do you give him first place in your life, in your priorities? You only have so much time. Does he have any of it? Do you give him first place in your finances? Do you, do you have a hunger and passion to know him more? Are you pursuing Christ through spending time in his word, just spending time soaping? Ask yourself a simple question right now, and this will help you understand where your priorities are. What consumes you? Austin Swanson said this, A child is not likely to find a father in God unless he finds something of God in his father. I share that quote with you because what it's speaking of is that the priorities of our children, they will learn priorities based upon our priorities. And if they see God in them, guess what? They will normally put God in there. I, I watch it. People ask me all the time, man, you have great kids. Like, and I'm telling you, they are not perfect. They're like, you, you just have great kids. How did you do it? Well, one, when they were little, we beat them a lot. <laughs> They're scared to death of us. They're not. We did not beat him. He's stronger than me. It's true. But I got a lot more money than you do. 
fact, I got a job. <laughs> we can play. <laughs> nah, I'm proud of him. He's, he's, he's fantastic. All my kids are, but. But one of the things that we modeled for them and what we've always tried to model for them is God as a priority in our lives. It goes, God, then my wife, then my kids, then my job. Not the other. God, my wife, my kids, my job. Anytime those get out of order, you get messed up. Some of you got your kids above your wife. Stop. Arrange. Arrange. Arrange your relationship with your family. Take time to teach your kids. Take time to spend time with them. Yesterday I was with my nieces and nephews in the morning and they were crawling all around on me and they're wild. I raised my kids and I paid my time already. And I was thinking about my brother, and I was like, man, like, I'm exhausted. Just after a few minutes with them. It's only like 20, 30 minutes. Can I just encourage all the dads with young kids? You got this. Make your family a priority. Arrange your relationship with your inner man. And I'm going to close with this. Stop worrying about your needs being met and achieving some type of success. Just develop you and work on you, and then you'll be the man that your wife will look to, your kids will look to, others around you will look to, but it's going to take some work. You're going to have to say no to some stuff. Anything that's been worth fighting for in my life has always taken work. Nothing comes easy. People will say, Pastor Brian, how do you have such a great marriage? I'll tell you, a lot of work. A lot of work. And a lot of moments of me dying to myself. Because my flesh is not pretty. When she was yelling at me and talking to me about, you know, how I was rapping that and doing different things yesterday, you know, and the day before, I was, I had had very little sleep. I was not in a really good mood. And I had to die to my flesh a few times. We're trying to wrap around the thing. And I told her, I was like, just move around it with me so that we can go around it. She's like, I can't hold it. And I'm like, you can hold it. She's, she's like, I cannot. So I'm getting frustrated. So then when I said, here, you take it. You wrap. And I'll show you. Watch this. I'm walking around. I'm walking around. Can I just say you, that's not, that, that doesn't help the love life. <laughs> doesn't. She, she, didn't, she didn't come home last night. She's like, oh, Father's Day is tomorrow. I just can't wait to just bask you with my love. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to wrap you up in saran wrap. <laughs> Ship you out. <laughs> it's because it takes work. I'm trying to be funny, but it also takes work. Come on now, anyone? Anything worth something takes work. Arrange your priorities. Know what arena you should be fighting in. Come on, don't, don't be present in the midst of your promotion. You got promoted to a father. You got promoted in your workplace, whatever it is. Be present in your promotion. If you'll be present in your promotion, then what can happen is, is you can begin to understand that i got to pay attention to the influence I've been given. I've got to realize what arenas I should be fighting in, and I've got to arrange my priorities accordingly. So here's what I want to do. I want everyone to stand to your feet across the room real quick. We've got a lot of fun stuff that we have, meat and all these different things, but, but here's what I want us to do. If you're a dad in the house, you're a man. Let's just say this. If you're a man in the house, you're even a, a young boy, I'm going to ask you to do something today. I'm just going to ask you just to put your hands out like this. Here's what I know. I believe the Father actually has good gifts 
for every man in the house. And so, ladies, I want you to turn to the men that are around you, and I, and I want you to put your hands like this. Just to put them just like this towards the men that are around you. Some of you are hugging on your men. Just put your hands just like this for a second. Because every time you touch him, he gets all flustered and everything. So I don't need none of that happening. Just put your hands out like this for him, okay? There's something beautiful that happens when people give and when people receive. Today, I believe God has something good for all the men in the house. You may say, as a lady today, man, like it just feels like the whole message was focused on men. You can pull things from it. But there's nothing wrong with today, just one moment, just giving a little away. I know some of you, maybe you've struggled with giving away something to another man in your life because you've been hurt by men in your life. So even just the thought of giving something away, a blessing away to another man that you may not even know, that's a struggle because inside there's been some messed up things. So here's the thing. I believe that even today that God's going to heal some ladies' hearts towards the men in their life. That as you give away a blessing today, that God's going to restore something in you today. And then men, I believe that God's going to give us the very thing that we need for this season, for these moments, to be who God's called us to be. Would you just close your eyes for a minute today? Ladies, I want you to think right now of blessings that you could speak over the men in your life right now or the men that are even just around you. And what I want you to do is I just want you to talk to the Lord today, and I want you just to ask him to bless the men that are around you. You may say, I don't, I don't even know what specific blessings to even pray. That's okay. Just, just ask the Lord right now. Say, would you bless the men of this church right now? Would you bless the men who are watching online right now? The men who are in the house right now? And then men, let's just put ourselves in that posture right now where we're ready to receive. So Father, we're ready. We know our identity is found in you. And Father, if our identity is not found in you right now, we as men just come before you and we ask for forgiveness. We ask for forgiveness for moments where we've fallen to our flesh. And we ask right now that you would forgive us of our sin that you would change us, that you would help us right now. Give us the influence that you've called us to have. Help us to fight in the right arenas and help us to arrange our priorities as men. From the youngest to the oldest man in the room, we receive right now the blessings of every woman who's praying and speaking a blessing over us. And Father, I pray that as every woman prays those prayers, speaks those blessings, I pray, God, that as they give out, that you'll return back into them. I pray that there'll be healing that will happen in women's lives right now towards other men, that there will be some stinking things, some things that they've been hanging on to for years, years, that today you're going to heal in one moment. In one moment, as they speak a blessing over the men that are around them, you're going to heal years of brokenness, years of pain, years of heartache, maybe moments where fathers were not the loving and caring fathers, but we're abusive fathers, and you're going to heal that right now in one simple moment. So God, we have hands outstretched as fellas and men, and we have hands um, stretched out as ladies as well, speaking blessing. So God, today, I pray that you would do that very thing in the hearts and the lives of your people. We're your church. Do in us, God, what only you can do. And all the ladies would agree with this moment by saying amen and amen and amen.